Hello, and welcome to a podcast for the Lancet Neurology. I'm Gavin Cleaver, it's November 2018, and I'm joined today by Bruce Campbell, whose meta-analysis of functional outcome in patients with anterior circulation ischemic stroke who are treated with endovascular thrombectomy versus those treated with medical therapy is out now in the Lancet Neurology, and we're going to talk about it today. So, Bruce, thank you for joining us today. In your meta-analysis, you investigate the effect of ischemic core volume on functional outcome in patients who are treated with endovascular thrombectomy versus standard medical therapy. Could you tell Tell us a little bit about the main aims and what were some of the most important findings of your study? Thanks, Kevin. We pulled individual patient and imaging data from the seven pivotal trials of endovascular thrombectomy for stroke caused by a large vessel occlusion that uh, predominantly used stent retriever devices and these were published in 2015-2016. We really focused this analysis on the pre-treatment CT perfusion and diffusion MRI that gives us information on the extent of irreversible brain imaging when the patient first presents to hospital. We gathered all that raw imaging data together and reprocessed it with the RAPID software, which some of the readers will be familiar from. Uh, many of the international trials of imaging-based selection for reperfusion therapy, like SWIFT Prime and DAWN and Diffuse 2 and 3, and our Australian trials, Extend, Extend IA and Extend IA TNK. So we took that rapid output and examined the association of the estimated volume of irreversible brain injuries, that's what we call the ischemic core volume, with the patient outcomes using the standard functional outcome that we use in stroke, which is the modified Rankin scale at three months after stroke. For those not familiar with the Rankin scale, it's a very pragmatic um, measure of functional outcome that ranges from zero, which is resolution of all stroke symptoms, through to five, which is nursing home care, and then six, which is death. And every step along that scale is a clinically meaningful difference in function. So when we did that analysis, we looked at independent functional outcome, which is a modified ranking of zero to two, and also a shift by one or more points uh, in improvement in the ranking, which as I said, is a, a clinically and patient meaningful thing to, to shift just by one point or more. And what we showed, somewhat surprisingly to some of us, was that uh, the ischemic core volume, at least up to about 150 mils, which is a, a very large chunk of brain, um, these patients were still benefiting from thrombectomy, at least on the shift by one point better. And if you think about it, someone who might end up otherwise in a nursing home or dead, if we can shift them to a ranking of three, which is usually getting home but needing some help with their domestic activities, cleaning, cooking, whatever, that's still a very meaningful outcome. And that's really um, what we don't often see in stroke trials where we use a, an independent functional outcome of MRS zero to two. So the, uh, the key thing was really that one factor, which is ischemic core volume on its own, shouldn't be used to exclude a patient from this very powerful therapy within six hours of stroke onset. What we then did was to go on and look at uh, the interaction of different prognostic factors. So not just core volume in isolation, but um, putting it into the context of age and also the time it would take you to get the artery open. So the expected time to reperfusion from when you've got the imaging and that can vary quite a lot because some patients need to be transported between hospitals to get the procedure. Uh, there are other things that delay the system. And if you put those three factors together, you can really see how they interact. And patients with a, a large core, if you treat them very quickly, particularly if the patient's young and fit and healthy, can do remarkably well. And uh, so that was the other key thing, really, that we need to weigh these multiple prognostic factors together when we're making a treatment decision. Yeah, those are some really interesting findings. Are there any limitations that our listeners should bear in mind when, when thinking about these results? All of these trials, or most of these trials anyway, had some form of imaging criteria 
to screen the patients going in with the intention of excluding patients with very large areas of irreversible brain injury. Now, some of them, like Mr. Clean, uh, which is a Dutch trial, and Thrace in France, didn't have those exclusions at all, and a lot of our larger core patients came from those trials, but there are also some who, who were from the other uh, five trials that we included in Hermes. So all in all, if you take a cut point of 70 mils of core, which is where we stopped the Extend IA trial inclusion, uh, there were 50 patients with larger cores than that using CT perfusion, 59 with MRI, um, and that was enough still to show statistically significant benefit to at least 150 mils. The other thing that I think is important to consider is that all of these patients who are in the trials had independent pre-stroke function and many of the patients we now treat in clinical practice have comorbidities and levels of pre-stroke disability that will impact their prognosis and needs to be taken into account. So this particular meta-analysis was done by the Hermes collaboration. Tell us a little bit about the Hermes collaboration. Hermes is a terrific bunch of uh, investigators. So it's essentially all the key people involved in the Mr. Clean, Escape, Extend IA, Revascat, Swift Prime, Thrace and Teeth trials, uh, those seven trials. And it was originally funded by Medtronic, um, who had no role in the, in the analysis process, but we've basically um, pulled the individual patient data to really try and improve the precision and, and knowledge around subgroup analyses and particularly the imaging. It's very unusual to do it, uh, individual patient data meta-analysis of imaging variables and that's what we've been able to do with Hermes with independent core labs by some of the best centres around the world. So how do the results of this study relate to the other published meta-analysis that you've, that you've placed with the Lancet Neurology? The first Hermes paper was in Lancet and that looked at the key clinical subgroups. So we were able to show that factors like age and the stroke severity, which we measure with the NIHSS stroke scale, really, uh, although they're strongly prognostic, did not interact with the treatment effect and therefore there is a benefit of thrombectomy across the age spectrum and across the, the spectrum of severity. And there are also no interactions with sex or uh, some of the occlusion locations that uh, we saw in the trials. One of the more recently published papers in Lancet Neurology looked at other imaging variables, particularly the non-contrast CT, which is still a workhorse for most of us in stroke. And that really showed that the extent of injury on the non-contrast CT was also prognostic but not modifying the effect of treatment. And if you look at international guidelines, particularly in America, there's a guideline that you should have an aspect score of six or more. And what this analysis showed is really down to aspects of three and four, uh, there was still benefit of thrombectomy, which really challenges us to uh, treat more broadly and include more patients in treatment. Um, it also looked at collaterals. Collaterals are the natural bypass vessels that uh, allow brain to survive distal to a, an occlusion. And uh, again, strongly prognostic, but not uh, necessarily excluding treatment benefit in people with poor collaterals. And then I was involved in another analysis in Lancet Neurology of the effect of general anesthesia versus conscious sedation. This is one of the key outstanding debates in this field is what the periprocedural care uh, the impact has on functional outcome. And we showed in the Hermes trials that general anaesthesia was associated with significantly worse outcome than keeping the patient awake for the procedure. And that actually conflicts with some single centre studies that um, randomise patients to general anaesthesia or not. And it's very interesting to try and tease that out. And I think the reality is that those single centre expert centres um, were able to keep very tight physiological control of factors like blood pressure. For instance, they kept the blood pressure over 140 throughout the procedure very strictly, whereas 
our experience in clinical practice is that's rarely the case and there's usually some hypotension, particularly around induction. They also delivered the anesthesia really fast. There's a median of nine minutes delay in the randomized trials compared to a lot longer than that in clinical practice. So I think it shows you that if you do general anesthesia really well, very fast, with great control of blood pressure, then it probably isn't harmful. But the way we tend to do it in practice does seem to be associated with worse outcomes. So what for you are the, are the next steps in, the, in this field of work? There's plenty of more work to come out of Hermes, but specifically in this area of large ischemic core, there are randomised trials either planned or ongoing specifically in the population of patients with either extensive non-contrast CT uh, damage or CT perfusion markers of large core, and they'll be really helpful in improving the precision of our prognostic decision making in this context. Bruce Campbell, thank you very much for your time today, some really fascinating work, and you can read it all online now at The Lancet Neurology. Thanks Gavin, absolute pleasure.